if anyone else can identify as whatever they want, which is what people do these days, why can't I just say that I was Korean? So I didn't see a problem with it at the time. But in retrospect, I see, you know, for some people, it seemed a little bit harmful. And I also see now it was very crazy to do that. Welcome to Archie Asks. My guest this week is 33-year-old Ollie London, who caused outrage a few years ago when he decided to transition to being a Korean man before coming back to the UK and transitioning to be a woman and then detransitioning back to being a man. It's a lot to keep up with, but now he's warning others against the dangers of becoming transgender. Ollie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Is that a fair sum-up of the journey you've been on in terms of your gender? Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it does make me sound a little bit crazy. And I do admit I was very crazy... Back then, I was struggling with identity issues. I had self-esteem issues since I was a teenager when I used to get bullied. So I wanted to radically change myself, the way I looked, the way I was perceived by society. And, you know, I was thinking if anyone else can identify as whatever they want, which is what people do these days, why can't I just say that I was Korean? I was living in Korea. I felt at home there. I wanted the Korean look. So I didn't see a problem with it at the time. But in retrospect, I see, you know, for some people it seemed a little bit harmful. And I also see now it was very crazy to do that. And I'm glad that I finally found myself and I'm kind of using my experience to try and help others. So we'll take it phase by phase. Let's start with the, the first transition, which was mm. becoming Korean. Mm. Uh, that was more than just an idea. It took quite a lot of surgery. How, how many... How many operations did you have in order to become Korean? So that was before I had the facial feminization. So it was probably about 21 surgeries to what have the Korean course? aesthetic. Um, it was a few hundred thousand over the years. So it to was, yes, to have a certain aesthetic, yeah. And then what was it that made you want to become Korean first? We'll get into the gender issue, but this mm -hmm. was about becoming... This was about changing your physical being mm -hmm. to becoming a different nationality. I used to live in Korea and um, that was the first time in my life where I actually felt happy. I felt like I'd finally found somewhere where I belonged. And when you're in Korea, you see these plastic surgery advertisements literally everywhere, on the subway, on billboards everywhere, and on TV, and it's part of their society. So I was seeing all that, and I had always had the self-confidence issues, and I started, I literally started just having a nose surgery because I was unhappy with my nose, and then it went wrong. So then I had to get more surgery, and then it became an addiction. And then I thought, why not model my looks on a Korean pop star that everybody seems to love, everybody seems to think is beautiful? And that's how it started. And then I thought, you know what? I love everything about Korea. I spend my whole life devoted to Korea. Why don't I just, you know, become like a Korean? Did it occur to you at the time that some people would find that insensitive? Um, at the time, I wasn't really thinking clearly. I was just on this kind of war path that I had in my mind that I wanted to be a certain way. I wanted to be accepted by Korean society. Um, and Korean people did actually accept me. It was all the other people, like all these... Uh, woke activists and woke warriors that started really attacking me and like some of the mainstream media. And, you know, I was thinking, why are they attacking me yet they celebrate someone that will change their gender or someone that changes into completely random identities? You know, why am I being targeted for this when I'm not trying to cause harm? I'm simply living my life and showing a love of a country that I adore. I suppose the argument that would be made against that is that there is a great deal of scientific evidence mm -hmm for people that feel they're born in the wrong bodies, mm -hmm. there is less or indeed no scientific evidence that people feel they're born in the wrong nationalities. So you're doing it gratuitously in that sense? Yes, of course. I mean, there's more, obviously, a lot more research in people transitioning from genders. You know, there's a lot more, but we still don't know enough about that as it is. Um, but, you know, the nationality thing was, you know, I didn't see the harm at the time. I can see now why some people perceived it as culturally appropriation or culturally insensitive. 
Um, but that wasn't my intention at the time. I was just thinking, you know, why not? If everyone else can identify in different ways, I love this country. I'm not trying to cause harm. I'm trying to show my love of a country. And it really, it started with the aesthetics. It started, I just wanted to look a certain way. Then I, I became a bit obsessed with that. I became addicted. And then I was like, let me just become Korean. You know, what's the harm in that? And, you know, Korean people were nice about it and stuff. Um, but obviously I got a lot of backlash and, you know, I did reflect Am I making the right decision? You know, am I being crazy? So, mm. so let's go right back to the beginning in your childhood, if that's mm. all right, because it's um, without being too gratuitous about it, it's not normal the mm. experience that you've had. Mm -hmm. If you were to take a statistic of a thousand people, you'd probably be the only one who's been through right. what you've been through. What was your childhood like? Is there any part of your upbringing or your childhood that you can point to as contributing? to what then subsequently happened with wanting to become Korean and wanting to escape? I mean, when I was, uh, you know, very, very young, I did used to, you know, we had this costume dressing up box and I did used to try on the girls' clothes in there, like the women's costumes and stuff. And that's where I think I started to develop ideas of gender dysphoria. And then as a teenager, when I was being bullied, you know, most of the bullying was about the way I looked. So I was ugly or I had a big nose and stuff. But there was bullying saying that I was like a girl. No girl would ever want to date me because I was so feminine. I was more like a woman and stuff. So I did start to develop ideas then. But, you know, my childhood itself was pretty nice. But my teenage years was tough at school when every day I'd have people, you know, being really cruel to me based on my looks and based on, you know, I was a bit too feminine and stuff. So I really developed self-confidence issues. I used to make myself some try to throw up in the toilet so I wouldn't have to go to school because I'd be scared of um, being bullied and stuff. Um, you know, I don't have a relationship with my father anymore. He left my mother and stuff and he wasn't, uh, didn't treat my mum very nicely. So I, you know, I always saw that that was the only thing I had in my childhood that was really traumatic. And then kind of all the years of bullying kind of led up to me wanting to completely become a new person. When was the last time you had surgery? Um, it was actually last year in April, so I haven't had any in 2023 so far. Right, so you've nearly um, done a year without surgery, which... Almost, yeah. If, if it's an yeah. addiction like mm. alcoholism, mm. for example, mm. that would be cause for celebration, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe I should celebrate my one-year anniversary. I mean, I'm very happy now compared to how I was, and I feel like, you know, if I just keep doing surgery, I'm never going to be happy. And like, I still look in the mirror and I think I want to change certain things. And, you know, I go to the gym every day and I am thinking about, should I get a body surgery to give me like a six pack or something? And, you know, these things are in my mind and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to suppress that and just think that's meaningless. What's the point of all this? Because it doesn't make me happy. So what's the point of putting myself through all this pain, spending all this money and doing these things? What's the purpose? And you know? Are you able to talk us through what surgeries you've had from sort of top yeah. of your head to the tip of your... Yeah, toes? so um, I haven't done my toes yet, <laughs> um, but I've had six rhinoplasties, which is no surgeries. Uh, yeah. um, I've had um, cheeks. I've had the cheekbones shaved down to make them smaller, more symmetrical. I've had um, chin surgery twice, which is shaving the bone down. I've actually got titanium brackets and screws here. Bit weird. Um, I had my jaw completely reconstructed, so I wanted to make it more sharp uh, in Korea. It's a thing to have like a V-shaped jaw. Right. So I did that. Um, I had on my chest gynecomastia because I had uh, male, you know, kind of male fatty breasts. Um, and I used to get bullied about that at school. And, you know, people used to say I was like a woman or I had breasts. So I think that was in 2019, I think. I removed that and that was the most painful surgery. Um, I've had a lip lift. Um, I've had uh, three eye surgeries. I've had um, one full facelift, uh, one forehead lift. Um, I've had all my bones shaved here, my eyebrow bones shaved. Um, just trying to remember. And I've got a neck lift as well. I've still got scarring and stuff. Um, and I can't remember the rest. <laughs> um, when you first decided to be a Korean man, uh -huh. 
What was the reasoning behind publicising that? You went on to this morning, mm -hmm. sat down on that sofa and talked about being a Korean man. Mm. What was the benefit to you of publicising your transition to becoming Korean? I think for me it was like trying to make myself feel good and feel confident. You know, I, I was trying to, I guess, get validation. Like if people loved and celebrated me for the new me, then I could finally accept myself. So I think it was more trying to get validation. And you know, so many people do it these days, like influencers, people on TikTok, they all want validation. You know, you want the likes, you want people to love you the way you are. And because I never had that in my teenage years, I literally felt like an outcast. I was a reject. I just wanted to be loved. And I thought, you know, maybe I shared this new identity. People will love the new me and think, wow, he really does look like a K-pop star. He looks amazing. He looks beautiful. But actually the response was kind of the opposite. You know, I was getting hate. I was getting harassed, bullied, you know, death threats all the time and stuff and it was really kind of traumatic to go through that. Did that affect you massively because I mean you went on one of the biggest TV shows in the UK looking as close to a Korean man as you can be without being a Korean man mm. and the response was fairly negative from some yeah. I mean they got a lot of Ofcom complaints and stuff um, and you know now I understand why people saw that as offensive but then I still like to make the comparison that it's for some women find it offensive if a man just randomly self-identifies and then goes into a woman's toilet and stuff or you know puts dress up and doesn't bother to shave the beard and stuff like that is offensive as well so you know what I did I don't think was right um, I'm trying to you know get over that and what I my past mistakes but I also think there's many people in society that are equally similar in their whether what kind of dysphoria they have whether it's body dysmorphia or gender dysphoria and they are equally seeking that validation and you know having these identities and you know my identity sounded a bit crazy but it was just one of hundreds of identities that people kind of have these days. Do you think it's the same to transition between genders as it is between nationalities having done both? I think there are some things you can collate to each other like it's very um very similar in some ways. Obviously, nationality is completely different to gender or sex. Um, it's, a, it's a very complicated question, actually. But, you know, I think that if someone can change their gender, they can also... Well, I did at the time, you can change your nationality and stuff. If it's not hurting people, I was trying not to hurt people, but obviously some people said it was racist. But at the time, would you have mm -hmm. said that you can change your age? As well, I mean, could, could I would not say not have said that because that's very dangerous. I mean, we're seeing that now. You know, minor threat to people. These people trying to identify as kids—that's very dangerous. So, you know, the nationality thing I think wasn't right, but it's not as dangerous as someone saying. I suppose the argument against that is that the nationality thing may not be dangerous, but could be dangerous. I mean, what is stopping mm. a Russian warlord from identifying as Ukrainian, getting a passport, mm. coming over and blowing themselves up on the inside? That's obviously the extreme argument. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a slippery slope with any self-identification, you know, because as we're seeing now, there are so many different pronouns and so many different genders. It is a slippery slope because now we're seeing the rise of um, trans-ageism and people actively promoting that. So that is an issue. And just so, for viewers at home, trans-ageism is what? Is, that's an adult identifying as a child. So you're seeing these adult men dressing up as babies, wearing diapers and nappies and stuff, and they go around wanting to be like a baby sucking a dummy and stuff. And that's a real cause for concern. Do you believe in freedom of speech and freedom of expression? Absolutely. I think freedom of speech is fundamental and I think it's important for people to express themselves. And therefore, within the confines of the law, what is wrong with an adult going around sucking on a dummy in their own time? That's freedom of expression, isn't it? It, that's a very, yeah, very tricky question because it is freedom of expression and stuff. But if something can cause irre irreparable harm to people, like if it causes harm to children 
or if it, you know, it can damage people, that is something that needs to be looked at. It's a very tricky question because freedom of expression is all encompassing. So how do we define that? I mean, we saw Kanye with his crazy outburst. You know, some people argue that was freedom of expression. Other people will say that's hate speech. But that we have laws for that particular mm. instance. So mm. what Kanye was doing, or Ye as he is now, yeah. uh, was illegal, mm -hmm. essentially, yes. in the eyes of a lot of people. Yeah. It was inciting violence. Mm -hmm. uh, an adult deciding to pretend to be a baby mm. in the confines of their own home, mm. we might think it's peculiar. Mm. Certain people might think it's immoral. Mm -hmm. But it is freedom of expression, and it's not dangerous. So what's wrong with that? Again, it's, uh, I can't really answer that, but I, I think it's, um, you know, if they're doing it in their own home, it's very weird. But, you know, that's what they're doing in their own home. But I think when they go out and actively try to encourage others to do that, or they actively encourage, you know, people to normalise this or accept it in society, I think that's a danger because you'll get some people that are a danger to young people and they will use this new self-identification to harm children. But the law doesn't recognise them as being children. The law does recognise that paedophilia is wrong. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what damage these people can do. It's rather like um, you speak a lot on, on social media about Harry Styles. Yeah. Who I'm yeah. most looking forward to seeing this summer <laughs> uh, as a bit of a Harry Styles fan. Yeah. What is wrong with Harry Styles wearing a dress. I think he is pushing this narrative, you know, he's not gay, he's a straight guy, and he's pushing this narrative for kids, you know, most of his audience are kids, to be kind of gender fluid and stuff and change their pronouns and stuff. I think, you know, it can be a little bit harmful if somebody dresses up and actively pushes this um, but when, Elton when kids John, are getting confused. When Elton John walked into the Hollywood Bowl dressed as Donald Duck, <laughs> we didn't have generations of children quacking. <laughs> that's true. OK, I didn't know about that, but that's... When uh, David Bowie dressed as a woman. Right. I mean, there's a long history of pop stars... Right, right. ...using their freedom of mm. artistic expression. Mm. I mean, this is what I find super interesting, right, is, mm. is this, this clash between your claim that it's dangerous mm. and your love of freedom of expression. Mm. Because if he wants to go and wear a dress... No, I mean, he's totally, he's totally entitled to it. I was just saying, you know, as a role model, when you have a lot of kids looking up to you, and in a society where a lot of kids are getting confused with their genders from what they're seeing online, it can be kind of a little bit harmful for a celebrity they idolise to be doing these kind of things, these, you know, wearing these dresses and stuff when kids are going to question their own gender, and that could lead a kid, uh, as they grow up, to want to change their gender, which is nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying when you're a kid, you shouldn't be questioning yourself like that. You should just be living your life and make these decisions as an adult. What's the difference between going to watch Christopher Biggins dressed as Weirdo Twanky in a pantomime, mm -hmm. which is designed for children, mm -hmm. and a young person going to watch Harry Styles performing in a dress? They're the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of the similar thing and stuff, but, um, you know, pantomime's pantomime. With Harry Styles, I think he has millions of fans, and they're going to get confused with their gender. Schools in America particularly are teaching these gender ideolo ideologies to kids, and when they see someone they idolise wearing these dresses, wearing the makeup and stuff, it can confuse these kids and develop some kids to develop gender dysphoria. Do you think people... Do you think there are people who are born in the wrong bodies? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think some people, for, for their whole life, they feel trapped. And, you know, I support people. If they want to change, you know, change. But I don't support kids changing. If you want to change as hard as it is, you have to do it as an adult. You have to get, you know, the doctor's appointments and stuff. I think you have to go through this particular route. Why? So mm. the, the rates of detransitioning, with, mm. with absolutely no disrespect to your story, because there are detransitions, they yeah. exist, but they mm. are a tiny minority of those that transition. And of that tiny minority, almost every study shows that the people that are detransitioning are doing because of temporary social pressures. Mm. So... 
of course you want safeguards, but mm. what is the reason that a 16-year-old cannot begin their transitioning journey? I just think, you know, particularly with hormones and uh, puberty blockers and going under double mastectomies, I think that's the harm. You know, if someone that becomes an adult wants to do that, I think it's absolutely fine. But I think there's a risk in a kid uh, feeling confused about their gender because of, you know, what they've seen uh, online or what they've been taught in schools. And, you know, going along with something that right now seems to be pretty popular you know, years ago, we've always had trans people in society, but now it's become so, so popular. So many people are It's not popular, it's spoken about. I mean, there were far fewer mm -hmm. people identifying as gay when it was mm -hmm. illegal. Mm -hmm. They existed, they just had to cover it up mm -hmm. and do it illegally. I suspect the rates of trans people mm -hmm. that feel that way has remained steady. Mm -hmm. We just live in a more open and tolerant society which allows more people to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of an open society and it's great that, again, people can speak about their feelings and stuff. But I'm, th I'm thinking, you know, when we see these trends on TikTok and stuff of people saying their pronouns, they get millions of views. Kids want to emulate that, you know, because a lot of kids want validation. They want to be accepted by society. So if they see that, you know, a trans influence like in America, Dylan Mulvaney is getting very popular, they want to emulate that because they think it's cool. They think it's going to make them feel good and stuff. So my only concern is kids being led to become someone they wouldn't have thought about themselves. So if they're born, you know, they feel like they're in a trap body okay, but if they are convinced by society, from social media and these other pressures to change, I think that can be kind of a slippery slope. Let's go back to your story. So you, mm. you return from Korea, mm -hmm. you detransition from being Korean back to British. Mm -hmm. So at this point you're, what, a, a British gay man, a British man, a... Um, so, well, I was still, when I became a woman, which was um, fully last year, yeah. I was still identifying as Korean and stuff because I wanted to look, you know, as Korean as possible. But then I want, thought maybe I'm meant to become a woman. Um, so now I'm back to being just me, just a British guy and stuff um, and just trying to find myself and stuff. But yeah, it was even last year I was still identifying in that way. So how long were you mm. a Korean man for? Um, so probably living like that for about three years. And then mm. how long you then transitioned to becoming a Korean woman? Yes, yeah, so that was for last year, for fully for six months in public, but I'd already had ideas about my gender and stuff for the last few years, and, and I was struggling with that. Mm. Let's, let's dive into that, because that's really interesting. So mm. becoming a Korean man didn't satisfy mm. the feelings you were having. Mm -hmm. So you then became a Korean woman, mm -hmm. then became a British woman? No, remained as a Korean just, woman. No, no, that, I was remained as a Korean woman until I detransitioned. Then I just right. realised I'm really unhappy. Let me just try and find the real me. When you were a Korean woman, how far down the transition process did you get? So I actually did all of the facial feminization surgery. So I had um, all of my bones shaved to make it more feminine. Had the eye surgery, the facelift, which made it more feminine. And then I got the hair extensions. I was dressing as a woman in dresses and heels. And that was quite, I just didn't feel right like that. Um, and I was consulting with doctors in Thailand about doing the breast surgery. Um, and, you know, I'm glad I didn't go through with that and stuff. Because you've already had your masculine breasts removed at this point. Yeah, so, it was, you know, some people are born with that. It's like yeah. the fatty tissue and stuff. So I'd already had that removed because I was teased for looking like a girl as a younger person. And so I'd already had a kind of um, issue with my chest. And then I was thinking, you know, maybe I will get breasts. Because ev when I was trans, everybody was complimenting me and say saying I looked much better. I was born to be a woman and stuff. So I was getting that positive reinforcement. So I thought, yeah, this is how I'm meant to be. Um, so, you know, I was going to go for the breasts and stuff and, you know, I'm glad I didn't. And so you didn't go anywhere near touching your, your male genitalia? No, I was thinking about starting with the breasts and then going on because that's obviously the most complicated surgery, the most painful surgery and it's irreversible and you can be left with health implications. So, you know, the breasts, I thought, you know, if I do regret it, you can always remove them. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then so you lived as a woman for six months. Yeah. 
when did you first think maybe I'm a woman? <coughs> Looking back, was this something that you had as a child or was it something slightly later on? Well, um, it was kind of slightly later on, but I would always look back and think as a kid, I would play with Barbies. As a kid, I would dress up in, in the costume box with the women's clothes and the heels and the handbag and stuff. And then as a teenager, when I was being told I was more like a girl, I was born with these kind of male breasts. I was thinking maybe, you know, maybe all these people were right or maybe from my childhood I was dressing up. Maybe I was meant to be that way. Um, and then it was really, I'd always questioned myself. I'd always thought, would my life be better as a woman? Would I be happier? Would I be more confident? And then after having all that surgery to look more Korean, I was thinking, why am I not happy? Why has all this surgery not improved my life? Why am I not feeling good? So then I thought, maybe it's because I'm feeling that I'm trapped in the wrong body. Maybe I should change myself. And, um, you know, I did all those changes and I was living as a trans woman fully. And then after a while, I was like, I'm still not happy. I'm thinking about more surgery. I'm thinking so, about it, doing it, more things. It, mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't mm. want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me like this is a story of finding validation and happiness mm. rather than the more kind of traditional transgender story of being trapped in the wrong body. It sounds like you were going around looking for solutions and probably the wrong solutions mm. to a mental health problem to do with your happiness and your self-worth and your validation mm -hmm. rather than quite a lot of trans people who would say, I, I physically feel a different gender to the body that I have. Yeah, I mean, I think I had more gender dysphoria where I was questioning myself all the time and stuff and just thinking that was a solution to my happiness. And, and that's why I'm talking up because I think some teens now are thinking this is going to be a solution. And, you know, it's not for everyone. It's not going to be a solution for everyone. It can lead to more unhappiness. If you go through these surgeries, you take hormones, it's not always good and stuff. I think, you know, I, I, I had questioned myself and I thought, am I born in the wrong body? And I felt like that. And then when I became a woman, I felt like for a while, I felt like this is me. You know, this is the real me. Everybody thinks this is the real me. Everybody's saying I'm much better this way. I was born to be this way. So, you know, that reinforced my opinion. And I was thinking, OK, maybe that's right. And then I got to the realisation I'm still not happy. So, and you, you lived as a, as a trans woman for six months. Mm -hmm. um, did that make you have more sympathy for trans women? What was it like living mm -hmm. as a trans woman in this, in this I mean, country? It's actually hard. You know, it's hard because you get people passing comments to you all the time. You can get people being verbally abusive in public to you and stuff. So it's actually kind of hard. But then on the other side, you do get the validation. You get kind of people that support that, you know, being very kind and, and nice to you and stuff. Um, but it's, it's not easy, you know, and I would still use the men's restrooms. And, you know, sometimes a man would walk in and think they're in the wrong restroom and walk out. And it was kind of comical and stuff. But um, it was kind of hard, you know, because, you, again, you get people passing comments to you all the time and stuff. So I completely understand how trans people feel. It's very difficult. It's not easy to be trans and stuff. But I think at the same time, we need to come up with a better solution than, you know, men using women's restrooms. I think maybe if they want to have a gender neutral restroom or, you know, in sports have a trans category, which is what boxing in the UK mm -hmm. is going to do now. I think that's fair for everyone. I'm all about fairness. <laughs> Uh, right, we have a, uh, a round we call quickfire quandaries. So it's as mm. quick as you can. First thing that comes into your head, mm. uh, it's it's what would you rather essentially? So okay. quickfire quandaries. Here we go with Ollie London. London or Seoul? Uh, Seoul. Seoul. BTS or Blackpink? BTS. <laughs> Sunak or Starmer? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Starmer. I don't like either though. Biden or Trump? Um, Trump. Why? Mm. I'm just not a fan of Biden. You know, I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Trump. I would prefer gone, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis to be mm -hmm. the, the running mate. And I think he was the president. This is Ron DeSantis who, who passed a clause stopping the teaching of gay rights in schools in Florida, right? It was dubbed Don't Say Gay by activists, yeah. but it actually wasn't. It was simply a, a law to pass to stop certain gender ideologies and sex education being taught to uh, very young children. Greta Thunberg or Andrew Tate? 
I mean, I don't like either. You've got to choose one. Uh, I, I find Greta Thunberg so annoying, and also I don't like Andrew Tate's attitudes towards women. But you, I would, you, you have got to choose I, one. I would just, if I had to, I'd choose Andrew. I'd you choose Andrew Tate. I'd rather be on a desert island with Andrew than Greta Thunberg. Who would you rather be running the world, Andrew Tate or Greta Thunberg? Oh, God, that's a really tough one. Again, I wouldn't want either, but Andrew. Andrew. Okay. I just really is don't like Greta. Is there any question I can ask you to which the answer will be Greta Thunberg? Or is it always going to be Andrew Tate? Yeah, you, you, could, you could ask me who is the most annoying person in the world, and I, could, I would answer <laughs> Greta Thunberg. So, yeah. Isn't she just a, a young woman campaigning for what she believes to be right? I mean, has she not got a point, Greta Thunberg? Is she not an extraordinary example of female empowerment campaigning for the future of her generation? You know, I admire any young person that's an activist and can be heard by people. I admire what she does but I don't admire her messaging like when she's pushing for you know what's happening in the Netherlands farmers are losing their farms because the government in the name of climate change Botox or a facelift um a facelift because it lasts longer and last question what is easier being a man or being a woman um being a man and do yeah. you think you're going to stay being a man now yeah I'm very very happy now I'm just glad I've ended my journey and hopefully no more surgery and just found myself and just be happy. Mm -hmm. Well, Ollie London, thank you so much for a fascinating conversation. Thank you, that was a great thank conversation. You so thank you, Archie.